1: Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm huh. Scott Artis from scottartis.com. Gotcha.
0: <laughs> and I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com.
1: You thought you could hornswoggle me. I tried, and,
0: and you, you, you just nuzzled me right out of there. I
1: did. I saw your mouth starting to move, and I said, holy <laughs> bastards!" I'm not going to let that happen. I'm the captain. There was no mutiny today, not on a Friday.
0: Fridays are great days for mutinies.
1: That's what they say, but I haven't seen it yet, and I didn't want to partake in such a <laughs> heinous act. Thanks for joining us for Minute 111 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. I happened to check out the latest Dead Men Tell No Tales news coming from Forbes. It's a few days old. But they are estimating that the fifth film in the franchise will end its domestic run in the $155 million neighborhood. It's not the big hit here as the previous films were, but the interesting part and perhaps the savior for the franchise are the international numbers. The film is resonating with the foreign market and has also caught up and is surpassing Guardians of the Galaxy 2.
0: Oh, seriously? Wow.
1: Which came out before Pirates. So it's already surpassing that. It's currently hovering at 465 million. Like I said, this is a few days old. So who knows where it'll be when this comes out. It's currently hovering at 465 million, which puts the total over 600 million globally. And like I said, this news is a few days old, so after this weekend, it'll be interesting to see where it shakes out. Thus, it will probably end somewhere in the 650 to $700 million global box office once huh. everything is said and done. So it's not too shabby. It's, probably, it's not the billion dollars that they were probably hoping for, right. but it's still not too bad. Then we tack on digital and Blu-ray sales, and I think it's really a good return for Disney. Maybe not what they wanted. I think it still may warrant a sixth movie, and I would like to see that so that they can clean up and move us forward with the characters and the new ones that they've introduced.
0: And tell us what's going on in the end credits.
1: That's right. We don't want to be left hanging. They went on to say that if it manages to hit or get past $700 million worldwide total, it will be the second movie to do so without ever reaching $200 million at the box office domestically.
0: Oh, really? The
1: other really? movie that did that had this kind of lopsided return and run was the movie 2012. It's that Mayan prophecy disaster flick. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. On another pirate note, we will be headed to the NorCal pirate festival this weekend. I think we'll be hitting the festivities on Saturday. So if you happen to be in the Bay area this weekend and attending, you just might see us walking around and capturing some pirate conversations, specifically parts of the Caribbean reactions. Yes. Maybe new film, old films, all that stuff. Because I'm sure we're going to run into Jack Sparrows, maybe some Elizabeth Swans, Will Turners, who knows? I'm sure we'll run into some of those people. So if you do see Jack Sparrow, Salazar, Barbosa, dare I say Davy Jones walking around with his octopus face, <laughs> you got to ask him what was going on. We can ask him the hard questions of why they did certain things that we were just kind of peering in on their lives through this movie screening thing. Yes. I do need to see about bringing a foam windscreen this time for the mic. As last time, as soon as we got to recording on the street with Dead Men Tell No Tales reactions, the wind picked up horrendously and it was just a nightmare for me. Yeah. I also unfortunately dropped the ball again this time and forgot to get us a couple of Pirates of the Caribbean Minute t shirts. So if you're trying to stalk us down, maybe a bit difficult since we'll just be dressed like normal humans. <laughs> Or you could just look for the really tall guy with the recording device. I'm 6'7", so I could be hard to miss.
0: Could be.
1: Could be. I don't know, because I haven't been specifically at this one, so I don't know.
0: There could be a lot of tall guys.
1: Could be a lot of tall pirates. people
0: on stilts. (laughs) Stilts.
1: Stilts weren't really a common thing on pirate ships back in the day. No? No, it was a little hard to get around. Peg legs. Yeah, there you go. Anything else, or do we just set sail on this end-of-the-week minute? We can really continue rocking out to Peter Jackson's Rage if we wanted to do that. I was going to
0: ask, are you going to sing for us again today? I'm not going
1: to sing for us again today. Uh. The latest in pirate hard rock, Peter Jackson's Rage.
0: (laughs) In the previous
1: minute... What?
0: Is that like headbanging music?
1: It's not headbanging. Oh, okay. It's not headbanging. In the previous minute, an Aerosmith heavy episode, Dude! Pintel looks like a lady. Dude! (laughs) Rigetti looks like a lady! Wait, didn't we just do Aerosmith last time? Yeah, these aren't the cover songs you're looking for. (laughs) Move along. Let's start that again. They've got parasols, and they know how to use them. (laughs) They have dresses. They know how to choose them. Pintel and Rigetti take their retrofitted DeLorean longboat to the 1980s in an attempt to create an 18th century version of Tootsie. With a ZZ Top twist. It's a look that successfully catches the eyes of Norrington's men. Which causes them to raise their muskets. Norrington manages to prevent some premature firing by telling them to hold fire. Meanwhile, Governor Swann, seeing the approaching competition dressed to the nines, urges Elizabeth to follow her heart, knowing full well that Norrington may now have eyes for a couple of other beauties. Minute 111 begins with twig in full skeletal regalia, peeking over the side of the ship with a knife in his mouth. A couple of Royal Marines on guard duty quietly go about their patrol. A crew member addresses Gillette, Lieutenant, alerting him to the approaching Pentel and Rigetti distraction. The minute ends with a skeleton sneak attack. The cursed crew make their way across the deck of the Dauntless, quickly dispatching her soldiers and rappelling down the rigging. Poor Governor Swan. That's where I'll start. Just poor Governor Swan. He was having this great fatherly family moment, growing his character and becoming this understanding father, well, from Elizabeth's point of view. But turns out, she was hatching an escape.
0: <laughs>
1: A plan to get the hell out of there the whole time. She's all, is this guy droning on and on again? I gotta yeah. get the hell out of here. <laughs> you know what? She probably heard the, I'm so proud of you. And she's like, this horse S again. He's going to be pushing the Norrington thing. I'm got it. I got to go. I got to
0: go. I can't handle this.
1: She left before the end credit scene. That's what happened. <laughs> She left before the big twist. Yep. And now...
0: Now she doesn't know that she doesn't she know.
1: Could,
0: she could just not marry Norrington.
1: Yeah, because what if he was going to drop the bomb like, and I'm also leaving you all of our property and all the goods if you just say yes to me? Yes, I understand what you're saying.
0: Be leaving it to her anyway?
1: Not necessarily. Okay. Could have left it to somebody else because okay. she wasn't doing what she was supposed to be doing. <laughs> Jack was right, though. She was physically unable to stay put. And even (laughs) locking her up didn't work. Nope. He knew. Jack, like I said before, is a genius. Especially when it comes to women. This guy, he knew it. That's all I can say. He knew it. She's the type, because all women are, if you tell them to do something, they're not going to do it. And I'm speaking from an 18th century person right now. So this isn't the modern me. This is the, I'm drinking my tea from a teacup with my pinky out. That's high society. Yes. And in the 18th century, because I definitely wouldn't say that today.
0: Oh, it would be, wouldn't be good for you to say that today.
1: Exactly. So from an 18th century, Scott, I'm saying, damn, that Jack knows what he's talking about. It's like he's been around women before. <laughs> Any woman. And I'm winking at all the guys out there. You know what I'm talking about. 18th century guys. This is what we're talking about. I'm not winking at him in a... How dare you? How dare you? Said Jack was right. This is the switcheroo, actually, since I'm going to move along. Nothing to see here, folks. Move along. Where Elizabeth and Will make this big switch. In the second act, Will escapes Port Royal. You can even say he escapes jail at Fort Charles because he does break Jack out. Right. Then he sails off to save Elizabeth from imminent death in the treasure cave on Isla de Muerta. In the third act, with a pirate battle brewing, Elizabeth escapes confinement in the captain's quarters... The Master's Chambers. (laughs) Set sail or rose, because I had to put set sail so it matches what I was saying before, or rose, because she is in a longboat, to save Will from imminent death in the treasure cave on Isla de Muerta. It's a nice reversal. And more importantly, she steals a boat.
0: Wait, where does she get this boat?
1: They have boats?
0: Yeah, but look where she's at. She just climbed out the window at the stern of the boat? The back. The back of the boat?
1: The back of the boat.
0: She just climbed out the window at the back of the boat. Why would there be long boats back there? There wouldn't. The stern. Then why are you corrected me?
1: I just wanted to see, see what happened.
0: So I was correct and you corrected me. I
1: did. I just wanted to make you look like the tard out there. Anyway,
0: so she's climbing out the window you at go the, to the stern back of the boat. Of the boat. Okay. Why would there be a bow and
1: the stern? Why
0: would there be any longboats back there?
1: That's a good question, and I didn't think of that. And now I'm a little sad because (laughs) for one thing, there's a lot of longboats that are already been deployed because Norrington and his men are all in it for the ambush. This one here seems to be at the back, and now I don't recall if they had one dragging behind. Some I've seen some where they kind of dragging them behind, but usually there's a reason that they're doing that. That's a good question. I, I mean, don't know why it was back there because that's not a point of entry. It's like Gillette telling the guys coming back, no, don't come to the side where you can climb up easy with the ladders yeah. and all that. Go to the back where you have to use some kind of ropes ringing. and <laughs> rigging to actually rappel up and right. climb up the rudder and rudder chains and all that.
0: Just like climbing up the stern of this boat.
1: They do. Of the ship. Yeah, Maybe that's a Jack good point. and Will did it. That is a good point. I don't know where but that to, came from. So
0: why, why, why was there a boat back there for her?
1: What? Okay, this is now what we're guessing is that she's like, hey, boys.
0: <laughs> and
1: a couple of the soldiers are like, oh, oh. And so they bring a boat around and then she just kicks them out. Okay. And then she sails on her way. Rows on her way, I should say.
0: Okay. Well, we'll go that way. That sounds good.
1: Yeah, it is interesting because that boat just really appeared out of nowhere then for her. Because it wouldn't to,
0: be back there.
1: There's no, no reason for yeah, it to be back there. Yeah, it wouldn't back be there. back there. I'm trying to think now. I don't remember seeing it back there. We don't get a good shot. So, yeah, it is a little weird that yeah. they would have that in the back there. Yeah. And unless she, like, climbed out and then skimmed like- along the side of the ship and then got into one of the longboats on the side. The
0: longboat. But
1: from what we're seeing is she, the makeshift. Rope. Rope. Is hanging down. She's right there yeah. and, and rowing away. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point.
0: So it's like she went from the rope into this longboat. But the longboat wouldn't be there because it could get crushed in the...
1: Well, that's not... I mean, they're anchored. They would move it. So maybe it's just out there, sitting there.
0: Hey, Elizabeth! I got your escape here.
1: Yeah, that I can't explain. We'd have to look into that. How, how often did they drag boats Yeah, behind the ship? Yeah, But anyways... Now that we got that over with, because that crazy, mysterious appearing longboat. Like I was saying, the import- one of the important things is that she does steal a boat, though. So she is on her way to becoming a pirate, since that is one of the items on the checklist. Yep. Just as a reminder, the list is, first, you steal a small ship. The Interceptor was like what Jack did. She is just stealing, well, a boat. <laughs> Second is make a black flag. Which we don't really have in this particular movie. Them doing that. That was kind yeah. of cut out or left out. Third, declare war against the world. And that is also a check for her. Because I think we can safely say that she has already declared war against the world here. Yeah. She's rebelled against Norrington and her father. She's gone after Will when she wasn't supposed to. She's going after him again. And so that's all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Well, she didn't really go after him before.
0: She got Norrington to go after yeah,
1: him. Yeah, that's basically what it was. Yeah, She kind of did. Yeah. And now she's doing it again, so I think she's safe to say that she has declared war against the world, which is, there you go. Yes. So I thought that was kind of an interesting look and breakdown of her actually becoming a pirate now, or on her road to becoming a pirate. Yep. It's also something that we hear from, maybe it's the steersman, I know it's kind of a helmsman position but in the movie they call him the steersman and i don't know if that was him i sh- probably should have looked at it but he's the guy up that's on the deck there
0: that says lieutenant yeah it's the same guy as earlier in the movie that was manning the wheel
1: that's what i just said the steersman yeah you said him. okay that's it if it's you him yeah. sure. ah! are you? i said i got it
0: no you weren't sure
1: so you hear him say actually he doesn't say lieutenant he says lieutenant he doesn't say lieutenant he says lieutenant oh really yeah Because, and you hear this quite a bit in movies, and if you are out and about in the UK or any other British Commonwealths, you'll also hear Lieutenant. So according to Random House discussion on the topic, because I had to just peruse, well actually I just am always a part of Random House grammar discussions, and so that's just in English, so I just go there as part of my everyday fun. Oh, well, While I'm reading maritime journals and stuff like that, I just then peruse on over. I said, oh, you know, I got a message on the grammar forum from uh, Random House, and we're discussing the origin of words. That's what I do. Okay. It's exciting. It's like fun. It is. And I listened to Peter Jackson's Rage, so it's, it really works out well. But the word lieutenant came into Middle English from Middle French sometime between 1325 and 1375. So yeah, just sit back, folks. We're going to go on a history ride. So like I was saying, it came into... Middle English in the mid early to mid 1300s as a noun use of the adjective phrase tenant, placeholding actually is what it meant. The ultimate source of the British pronunciation lieutenant while not completely shrouded in mystery remains uncertain. There are however a few clues in the time of Chaucer which is say 1340 to 1400 or so the distinction between the letters U and V did not exist in writing yet. Once they separated, people remained uncertain as to which sound each of the letters represented. Huh. Because it wasn't something that had distinguishing sounds in writing. So people didn't know what the hell was a U and a V, or at least how to pronounce them for a lot of them. As late as the 18th century, the use of the sound V for the letter W and vice versa was being roundly criticized by grammarians. Another theory focuses on auditory rather than visual confusion. According to some scholars, the gliding sound W at the end of French lu, a sound made with the lips, was heard by speakers of English as either of two other sounds involving the lips, F and V. This theory has some merit if we consider that the W may well have been accompanied by some degree of audible friction, a kind of blowing sound. In any case, the pronunciation with V and F are reflected in various 14th century English spellings of lieutenant. So yay for Grammar 101. You have lieutenant. And they still actually use that today. Really? Yeah. There is some changing happening. But in British kind of Commonwealths and the UK, lieutenant is still how they, even though it's spelled lieutenant, we would say that, it actually is pronouncing how they say it, lieutenant. So that's why we get it here. A little authenticity from our English forefathers on the HMS Dauntless. Very cool. That's what I thought. And then I was probably wrong as everybody's like, Jesus, grammar. (laughs) So, you'll hear it. You can hear it in a lot of movies. You'll hear them say, Lieutenant. Anyways, let's get the hell out of grammar. Okay. Let's move on to behind the scenes. Just a quick note for some of those liking the skeleton action. The Wizards at ILM were given creative license from Verbinski when animating the skeletons. Particularly in this sequence because the bright moonlight on the deck is casting quite a shadow a lot of the places. Okay. So, you have... All this rigging, there's sails, there's wood pieces and railings and everything. It's all these shadows are happening, if you look, because of the moonlight, the bright moonlight that they're using. There's so much rope and this other paraphernalia, and it's throwing shadows on the actors, too. But when adding the skeleton effects, it would have been almost like this incredible giant chore to go in and cast a shadow or animate a shadow on everybody that would move and stuff across their faces and their bodies as they were running along. So, well, just this big nightmare that would have been created and probably really expensive to replicate to go in and start to make all that happen. Right. So Verbinski took the creative license to forego the tediousness of adding shadows. We have a shadow immune cursed crew running on the deck so you don't see the shadows (laughs) passing on. But on the human actors you see it, but not on the animated skeletons you don't typically see. Maybe it's just
0: part of the curse. (laughs) <laughs>
1: so, they're like vampires they <laughs> don't
0: get shadows on you <laughs> no, they,
1: they can't see themselves in mirrors either exactly that's possible like the previous minute there's also a great camera angle technique employed here the skeletons are running across the deck of the Dauntless and taking out the soldiers along the way yeah for much of that silent attack that we're seeing which by the way they had a lot of cracking bones when they're underwater yet on the top <laughs> of the deck not so much cracking bones
0: they were all... Um,
1: they were all lubed up by that yeah, point. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, that's where I was going with that.
1: So the salt water really got in there and lubed up their yeah. cracking noises. So, so then now they they didn't move.
0: crack anymore when they got on the yeah, ship. Yeah, so
1: that was something. I did like the sound effects, and I mentioned this yesterday, that it was kind of cool to hear all that. But now on the deck, when they're moving silently across, they are pretty agile and silent for skeleton guys. I
0: think they, they were moving so neat-like.
1: I know, that's what it, I was it saying. It was almost
0: like they were floating across yeah, it was the cool ship, it was really
1: neat. Yeah, so for much of this silent attack, we are following along kind of at that knee level. Yeah. And the soldiers react with their legs and then drop to the ground if they've been killed. Which I thought just really worked well. So that's when we finally see some of the faces is when they start to fall or die over and then they're going to the ground. It's a bit of a mystery, but not so much because we really do know what's happening up there. It's not like a surprise that, oh, are they just going to sleep? No. Right. But... It does keep us kind of in that mystery because we don't actually see all the action. We just see the aftermath of the action of a lot of it. There is one particular thing where we can see something, but kind of see something. Yeah. But for the most of it, they're running along very smooth-like and taking everybody out in this really... They're like ninjas. Yeah. It's like a ninja thing. And you can see that in... Oh, was it some James Bond movies or something like that where they kind of come across and take everybody out? What am I trying to think of? It's a good question. I don't know. Crouching tiger, hidden dragon, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I can't think of it. When now. they're
0: on the rooftops and stuff?
1: No, there's just, a, I think it's been, a, well, in any movie where there's ninjas, you can kind of see this. Yeah. Oh, you know what it was? It may what? have been part of that, one of those Wolverine movies when I'm trying to think of which Wolverine movie it was now. And I'm usually pretty good at this, and now I can't think of it. Wolverine. Origins? Maybe it's just, no, it's not Origins. It's, maybe it's just Wolverine.
0: With his brother? When no. they're going through time? We're not
1: even going to go there. You're not going to be able to pull it out. It's the one where he's in Japan and he's going to give up his power once he get rid of it. Okay, see, you're even lost now. Why did I even go there? I don't know. I should just, I should slap myself for not, for not going, Scott, listen to yourself and just let it go.
0: That's your own fault.
1: Yeah, it is my own fault. But anyways, there is a bit of that mystery because we know what's happening, but we're not seeing it. It's kind of that artisticness of it, the creativity of it. But it also softens the tone of the attack as well as then they can maintain the PG-13 rating because mm, they're not yeah. showing the actual bloodiness of right. it. It's the same thing when we do see one of the Marines get his throat cut. We don't really see it. I mean, we, do, we don't see the actual slice. It's effective and it keeps a bit of Disney thing going on. And it adds, like I said, that creative element to what might typically we see today with a gratuitous, bloody, violent yeah. throat cutting scene because we see him at the face and then i think we pan to the back right so we see him from the behind and then he slumps yeah, over because so. we don't we see that the sword or the cutlass or he was it a knife it up to his goes up to his neck but then but we quickly yeah. move out of that shot and yeah. then we don't see the actual slice happen no. and we make that assumption and then the guy slumps over to the ground one thing i did want to circle back to was the idea of elizabeth going to save will and even will saving elizabeth the idea of romance and storytelling with the curse this is the first pirate movie to really meld supernatural and pirates together and that introduction of the skeleton pirates in the beginning opened the door for us to step into a world that was this stylized supernatural pirate movie not just with skeletons and curses but as far as pirates go you know with that whole romanticized idea of buried treasures walking the plank and all that kind of jazz yeah maybe they didn't really do but that's what we grew up believing that pirates did. Right. So it opens that door like, yeah, that's believable. That's something uh-huh. that we can oh, see. Yeah. But it gives us a reason to accept the rest of the world or the rest of the Pirates of the Caribbean universe. And it kind of sets that stage, I think, for movies coming later on. But we can talk about how far they really go and does that make sense in this world when we maybe do some bonus episodes or move to the next movies in our subsequent seasons. So yeah. taking this kind of curse and what we believe here, but then expanding it into other things. You know, is there a limitation to how much we will accept as an audience? Yeah. And go down that road. But anyways, they do set that stage here, which is interesting. And I'm getting back to where I was actually going with that. Is that this is a romance that's built around a supernatural and a swashbuckler story. And many swashbucklers are really founded in romance. I mean, if you just think about swashbucklers, there's always usually a love of something or that romantic element to it yeah there is a romance behind it and often i just think when you think of a swashbuckler you get all that adventure and stuff but at the heart and at the core of it is a romance even if you were to take the prince's bride is a swashbuckler kind of adventure movie not necessarily a pirate movie but a swashbuckler at the heart of it is a romance yep it's also a story of revenge but there's also it's a romance at the heart of it that's where it begins and that's where it ends and i think that that's what we're also seeing here
0: there's kissing in there too
1: Oh, we don't want to go over that. I'm with Fred (laughs) Savage on that. (laughs) I was listening to Terry and Ted talk about the screenplay, and they were trying to come up with a quote from Anthony Hope regarding romance in the classical sense. So I did track it down thanks to Google Books and thought I'd share it with everyone. By the way, Anthony Hope is an English novelist and playwright born in 1863, and he died in 1933. So he did kind of move from that era of plays and books Into kind of the early film era, which is pretty cool. So he was involved with some of that. But I found a shortened version of this idea that he was talking about. And he actually used it in another lecture, which is probably a bit better suited for a podcast instead of losing people while I read a paragraph. Especially since I did introduce a grammar situation. (laughs) I figured, why start to read a giant paragraph on romance and breaking it down? Because then everybody go, oh my god, romance and... Now, uh, grammar in one episode, that's just ridiculous. So yeah, I found a different one that's a bunch smaller, by the same guy, relays the same information, just like the uh, cliff notes of it. So I thought that would be better. Awesome. So I think it does a great job really of summing up what we get with Pirates of the Caribbean, specifically with the connection between Will and Elizabeth and their triumphs and their adventure. So this is from Anthony Hope. From romance and the romantic temper, we gain fresh courage, fresh aspiration, fresh confidence in the power of the human spirit and in the unconquered confidence of the human mind. And I thought that was a pretty cool take. Especially since the screenwriters were taking that and actually trying to inject elements of that romance and, say, building off of it when they create their own stories. And, for instance, Pirates of the Caribbean that we get.
0: Very cool. So that's
1: the heart of that romance. And you see a lot of that that courage that comes out of it, that aspiration, that confidence and power that Will and Elizabeth exude in this movie yeah. and grow to have. So I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Very cool. Gillette sees Pintel and Rigetti. He's
1: Yeah, I gotcha.
0: He uh, kind of smirks a bit. And Pintel and Rigetti are kind of out there going, woohoo, yeah. you know. I find it interesting that nobody seems concerned that there's these two women rowing in the middle of nowhere at night to what they think are women rowing in the middle of nowhere at night. I mean, they're by this Island. That's nobody knows about nobody can find, you know,
1: I agree. And I would think this just isn't realistic. But then I go, wait a second. Those idiot Trojans brought in that Greek horse and let everybody spill out. So there is a precedence for for dumbness <laughs> of letting something like this happen.
0: <laughs> it's true.
1: There is, is that, that precedent that's been set. Like, well, why don't we just wheel this large thing inside our walls?
0: Because nobody's like questioning that. Why are they didn't question it, it then why, with the horse? Yeah. Like,
1: wow, it was a, a gift. nice little gift they gave yeah. us. And oh, we're dead. Yeah. So. That's what's happening here. So I think that's almost like a spitting image of what happened with that. As much as we would say that's not something that would really happen. Yeah. And maybe Norrington or Gillette should have had their guns drawn on this and really been looking at this situation. The era dictated honor for women and kind of that chivalry. Yeah. And we already know that. They're kind of prone to being taken advantage of or having the wool pulled over their eyes on some stuff. They're a little too trusting of that. But the last thing they probably wanted to do was start firing shots off and then they find out that there were women prisoners out there and they were let go or something like that. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. Okay. But yeah, they should definitely have said, don't come any closer. We're going to send some people out to check you out. Yeah. Something. At least do something like that. Something. I mean, I can see Norrington in the previous minute because he doesn't want to blow the cover. You're right. But Gillette should be like, okay, somebody, wait, where's the longboat? Who took the longboat? The last of the longboats. <laughs> Elizabeth's rowing away.
0: <laughs> so that's
1: probably what happened.
0: He didn't have a longboat to go after. He's like, we would norm,
1: normal protocol states that we would send somebody out there to greet these weirdos that are rowing at night on this uncharted island. Yeah. But we have no more longboats, so, so we got to let them row up. That
0: must be why he just kind of let it go.
1: Exactly. So, do you have anything else?
0: No, that's it.
1: I think it's time for really bad eggs, and that's the weekly segment where we highlight our two favorite lines over the last five minutes. Well, the week, same thing. So, what do you have, Heather?
0: I'm gonna go with Ruggetti. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: exactly. Good reggetti. <laughs> this is what the Greeks done at Troy, except they was in a horse instead of dresses. Wooden horse.
1: So you went for the comedy, which is actually interesting because it has more meaning because we were just talking about with that particular thing. But I also think that it's maybe symbolic of, well, it's the whole idea that you can't judge a book by its cover kind of deal. Yeah. Or that there's a surprise waiting in store or something to that effect. And that's what we're getting with this whole particular thing. Elizabeth is kind of sneaking out. Yeah. And doing her thing. Jack has his ulterior motives going on. Will is now part of that, but he has his hidden agenda and motives. Barbosa sends his crew on a walkabout as opposed to going on the boats. Yeah. So they're all kind of and I can step back again before I say finish that thought. And even Norrington is ambushing it instead of being on the boat like Jack really wanted to have all these plans. So everybody yeah. is doing something different and has this hidden agenda doing this. Whole plan that's a little bit hidden from somebody else. Right. And that's what the kind of Trojan horse thing yeah. symbolized. is That was a whole different plan, a hidden agenda. And sneaking past the guards, if you will. Right. And that's what we're seeing with everybody else. Everybody else has their own Trojan horse right now. Which is, I think, kind of a cool symbol of yeah. where that line goes. Yep. Beyond just Rigetti being happy that he's in a dress.
0: Well, yeah. I just think Rigetti's just... Kind of giddy that they're out rowing on this boat, all dressed up, all pretty. <laughs> with his little parasol and his fan he's fanning himself with. And
1: <laughs> you didn't care about symbolism. You just like the Rigetti thing. That's all. You just like the Rigetti comedy. Oh,
0: symbolism's good.
1: Yeah, you rolled your eyes. I did not? You rolled your eyes. How dare you? Mine actually comes from last minute. And it's Governor Swan, and he says, couldn't be more proud of you, but you know, even a good decision, if made for the wrong reasons, can be a wrong decision. And we went over this quite a bit, so I'm not going to really get back into it, but it really was a defining moment for Governor Swan. His character arc kind of makes this transition, this evolution from being that governor, that high class, that society type, to what is really at his core, a father And looking out for her best interest. Even though he has been looking out for her best interest before. He is now offering her some of those reins that maybe he hasn't loosened up on before. Right. Because he almost lost her. And I think it's also just good advice for anybody. Not everybody, I should say. Anybody should take it as advice. But not everybody can implement it. It just depends on the person. Yeah. But it's the idea that sometimes you have to take a risk. It doesn't always pay off. But you may regret not taking that risk right. at some point or giving it a shot. Yeah. And sometimes that is something that people need to make peace with. If can I make this happen or can I not make it happen? You'll never know unless you try. Right. And I think that's what he's kind of saying there. And I think everybody can read into it what they want or how that applies to their own lives. Whether it's something small or something big. But it's if it, there is grounds for not making a stupid mistake, say... If there is that chance that something can work and you want to give it a shot, then he's saying, like, go for it and I'll support you with that. Yeah. But be prepared. It may not always work out how you want, but I think that's what it is. And so that's why I like it. And I think it has a lot of meaning for a lot of people out there. Yeah.
0: You got a little heavy at the end of this minute. I
1: did. Damn it. That's two in a row. (laughs) Damn it to hell. Yeah. You know, we could have ended on some... Oh, man, there was just nothing to end on. You know, if only the throat slicing just happened at the end, I could have. Because I don't want to leave you guys going to at the end of the night here going, oh, did he really end on that when we could have just ended on good old fashioned skeleton throat slicing? But no, the minute didn't end that way. And I'm sorry. I really do apologize for that. Are you ready to get the hell out of here?
0: Let's go get some grog.
1: I say let's do it. We'll be back on Monday with Minute 112 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the podcast pirates of the caribbean minute until then let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum heather heather plimey she always disappears right after the show get me my grog she says probably at the faithful bride tavern again heather are you in there
0: bring me my grog you scurvy barkeep
1: mother's love what are you doing in here You always take off before telling everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. So get on with it, savvy!
0: I'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request. That means no.
1: I know what it means. It means you're getting another rum, and I'm thanking the listeners. Thanks for listening, Scallywags. If you like the show? Give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out and we'd greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637 Pirate. We just might feature your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. If you're interested in best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are on blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. Now get out of here, you filthy bilge rats.